and a sec, misplacing Jesus. And the summary is really simple. Uh, you don't know you misplaced something until you need it. And sometimes we've taken our fellowship with Jesus for granted, and we take Jesus for granted, and we don't know we've lost it until we need it. That's the whole point of the teaching. So the question has to be, have you ever misplaced something? You know, you haven't lost it. You just can't find it. Maybe it's your wallet. Maybe it's a pin. Maybe it's your car keys. And you know what I'm talking about. For me, it's pins. I lose pins five or six a week. Um, for Daryl, it's car keys. Um, and what do you do when that happens? First off, you don't know there's a problem until you need what it is you thought you had and have discovered now you don't know where it is. So it's not until you go to pay for your dinner at the restaurant that you reach for your wallet and it's not there. When you're getting ready to take the number down of somebody's phone that you need and you realize your pen has vanished in thin air, or you're hurrying out the door to pick your kids up and you discover you no longer have your house keys or your car keys and you wonder where they are. They're not lost. You just don't know what you did with them. So what you do when that happens is you begin to retrace your steps so that you can find out where it is, the thing that you've misplaced. I think Thanksgiving any time, but especially right now, is a good season to do that spiritually as well. Some of us have lost a connection to Jesus, and we don't realize it. You will when a crisis comes, and you notice he's missing, but right now things are going good, so you're not really focusing on him. Maybe you've lost some of the passion that you once had for him. Could it be that you're no longer as, as excited or enthusiastic about him than you were at one time? Maybe what you're believing today is more your religion and less real life, less biblical than you believe. Maybe you've replaced Jesus and in his place you now have a devotional life. Maybe your head is engaged but your heart is no longer in touch or in gear. Maybe you go through the motions, but there's no feelings, there's no emotions. Maybe it's time to sit back and say, gee, I miss what I used to have in my time with Jesus. Because we've misplaced him. <laughs>
advertising in. <laughs> Do you remember Ed and Sheila? Mm-hmm. Everybody, those, those of us who are here, they visited us, I don't know what, six months ago now? 
and maybe a year ago. <laughs> um, they're working to recover Jesus after many years in religion. She wrote me this week and she said on the board, I think a chunk of what I thought I believed but discovered was mere religion has been finally flushed down the toilet. I felt like everything I believed was a lie. I went through a long period of not knowing what I believe other than Jesus. I felt like almost 40 years was wasted. I didn't even know for sure what to believe. Now I feel like what I do believe is beginning to settle. Interesting. Very committed Christians, but deeply concerned that most of what they have learned and been taught over the years is religion and has little to do with Jesus. And they're really struggling. I'm concerned that the church in general has also lost or misplaced Jesus. Not saying we have, but the church in general. All you do is see a picture like that and you know the church has lost Jesus somewhere. That's what I fight. That's what I fight overseas. Pass that around. Catholic? No, Orthodox. What we're passing out to you um, is something that um, came out back in May from some well-known, um, born-again, spirit-filled believers, leaders in America. And I just don't want you to read the whole thing. I'm just going to draw your attention to it because the majority of it, can you get up, Esther, and pick it up for us? Um, the majority of it is 100% religious. So what they're trying to do is to bring a group of people to Israel because on May 14th, it was the 70th anniversary, 70th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation and getting its promised land again. And so they want to go back and help God restore everything that has been stolen. And they quote in the first paragraph, Acts chapter 3, verse 21, the time of the restoration of all things, which has absolutely nothing to do with Israel whatsoever, has everything to do with the restoration of the things the devil is stealing from the church. Because it's in the book of Acts. It's not relating to Jews. It's relating to Christians. But then if you read down, you know, they're quoting Amos, they're talking about a divine summons has been released. God has calling his people to an appointed company of prophetic intercessors, whatever they are, because that's not biblical. Um, but they are the ones who discern the times and understand the urgency of the hour. Excuse me, we all should. We're all Christians. We all have the Holy Spirit. So they're going to go through all of the biblical sites in Rome and in Israel and have times of worship and release prophetic decrees. That'll do a lot of good. Um, it's going to go to seven mountains, uh, Rome to Jerusalem. Uh, by the way, if you know the Muslim faith, the Islamic faith, they have seven pillars. You have to be really careful what creeps in to stuff that sounds Christian, and it's not. So we're going to look at what the Roman Empire and the Catholic Church plundered from the Jewish people and the church. Well, I don't know what they plundered from the Jewish people, but they didn't plunder anything from the church. The Roman Empire died. The church took it over. Christendom killed the church. Yeah. Is it these guys here? That are no, doing this? no. This oh. is just this is just religious. 
Okay, so we're going to look at the truth concerning the Feast of Yahweh and His appointed times and the prophetic lampstands and the end-time book of truth. I don't even know what that is. The scrolls of the original intent for the nations and the 70 bloodlines and the apostolic mantles of the religious political spirit. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. And this went out to born-again, spirit-filled Christians who ended up spending a lot of money to go on this study tour and as you read this thing, it doesn't say Jesus once. Where does it come from? Where it came it? from some very well-known, very influential, and very powerful and financially well-off ministries in the United States of America. It's time. No, that's right. People believe all this crap. I don't even know what it says. Well, that's right? what I thought. The first time I read it through, I thought, what the heck what? is it saying? What's and what's a quick click? Ecclesia. Ecclesia is a fancy word for the church. God's called out ones. Well, how long have they seen that? I don't know. So it's time for us to get really honest with ourselves and to realize that in many, many, many ways, we've misplaced Jesus. The church has misplaced Jesus. Leaders have misplaced Jesus or replaced him with something else. Maybe in your life, it's something as simple as all your wants and your needs and your owies, but your focus is no longer Jesus. So I want to look at a story from the Bible, and it's Joseph and Mary, because they misplaced Jesus. They lost him. So in Luke chapter 2, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. It's interesting. He's asking the questions and he's giving the answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. But he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. So Mary and Joseph go to Jerusalem. They celebrate the Feast of Passover. You have to do that as Jews. At least the males usually do it. And the 12-year-old son, Jesus, was with them. When the feast is over, they begin to travel back home. And they've traveled a whole day's journey. They make camp that evening, and then they realize that they've misplaced Jesus. He's not in the camp. Now, you could write them off as bad parents, but they're not. They're traveling in a large group of acquaintances and family members, all from the same town or village. And the women, the children, generally would begin the journey ahead of the men because they move slower because they're moving at the speed of the children. And then the men would come out of Jerusalem later behind them. And when they would all get together, they were making camp. 
the men finally catch up with the men, the women and the children, and then that they realize Jesus is missing. Mary thought he was with Joseph. Joseph thought he was with Mary. Obvious, they weren't traveling together. And it wasn't until their evening happened that they discovered Jesus had been misplaced. In fact, lost. How far would you travel before you realize that you've misplaced Jesus? I'll tell you, when most of us recognize it, when we hit a crisis and we cry out and he's not quite there like he used to be, maybe we should ask the question, are you sure Jesus is still with you on the road that you're traveling? Maybe you've misplaced him or replaced him with something else. When was the last time you felt like you really needed him? When was the last time you called from the bottom of your heart to him? You know, sometimes I don't feel like I need him. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I'm smart enough, strong enough, intelligent enough to do it on my own. And then you put Jesus aside and save him for the big stuff. A lot of Christians have a very shallow relationship with Jesus, and that's why they can swallow all that stuff we just finished reading through quickly and think it's biblical and think it's good and think it's spiritual. And that's because they have such a shallow relationship with Jesus that they're not relating to Jesus from their heart, and then their head is also missing him at times. So I want to mix that story of Jesus, Joseph and Mary, Jerusalem, with us and I want to put it together sometimes we are misplacing Jesus and sometimes we don't know how it happens in our life it's like losing your keys you don't know they're lost till you need them and then you don't know where you put them they're not lost you just misplace them I think there's a number of things five of them in fact that would tell us how this happens in our life first way it happens is indifference. We simply do not understand the impact Jesus has had on our lives. Now maybe it's because I'm soon to be saved for 42 years, but I'm thinking back to what it was like, and I'm realizing how big an impact Jesus has had on my life. Maybe we become indifferent because we forget that Jesus is God in human flesh, God the Creator, God who flung the universe into being by saying it. And so he's not such a big part in our lives because we just become indifferent. He's not a priority until we hit a crunch, personally or in the church. And so we would have a take it or leave it part of our life right now. That's where Jesus is at. We take it or leave it. But we would really take him when our... Life screams loudly at us. So we're very indifferent. Secondly, we have a misunderstanding. A lot of us became born again, found out that we're going to heaven when we die, and figured that's where it starts and ends. And some people who are born again do not understand that that's a journey of discovering more and more about who Jesus is. And as you discover more and more about Jesus, you discover more and more about who you are. 
And so I think there's been a great misunderstanding. And when we discover who Jesus is, discover who we are, all of a sudden we begin this massive and continual change as we grow. I think the third thing that causes us to misplace Jesus is the pace of life. Life in the fast lane. And when you're in the fast lane, you can leave Jesus somewhere back there as you move forward, facing the many issues that face you every day in your daily life. I decided there's too much in my 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And considering that if God is really in control, I don't have more to do than I have hours to do it in, then I'm trying to do something I shouldn't be doing. And so my pace of life has been slowing down. And I've been doing it consciously. And it's not easy. Because most of us are living way beyond the edge. Time-wise, emotion-wise, stress-wise, finance-wise. And so the pace of life is killing us and killing our relationship with Jesus. I think the fourth reason that we've misplaced him is we take him for granted. He's God. He'll be there when you need him. And he will be. But meanwhile, you're taking him for granted. And I got news for you. God doesn't like to be taken for granted. And then the fifth reason is we drift. Hebrews 2.1 Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. So we slowly slide into no longer being with Jesus. It happens slowly. You simply don't notice it until, like Mary and Joseph, you realize you've misplaced him. Something else has come, come in between you and him. And then we go looking for him, and then we begin to rebuild again. So I think we misplace Jesus, and it happens in our lives simply because of indifference, misunderstanding about being born again, the pace of our life, taking him for granted, or you're just neglecting him and you're drifting and you don't know it. But there is the second thing I noted is that there are places we are not going to find him. Because when we go to look again to reconnect with Jesus, there are places we look where he's simply not going to be found. And I think we need to hear this. He's not going to be found in the company of the people that Mary and Joseph were traveling with. They were traveling with families and friends, and they were assuming that Jesus was somewhere in the midst of the crowd from their hometown. You won't find him in the midst of the crowd. If you wonder at times where he is in your life, you will not reconnect with him in relationships. You can't rely on the church to reconnect you because your relationship with him is something that is intimate it's personal and it's unique because you're different than everybody else on the planet. It's personal and it's private. And so we try sometimes when we replace Jesus or misplace Jesus to hope we can come to church and the presence of God will be here and we can worship and we do this stuff and other people will pray for us and that's all well and good, but none of that will reconnect you. Here's what you need to reconnect. You need some time alone with them. Like the song said, that means you need to take away all the CDs and DVDs and music stations and get some silence. 
so you can hear him speak to you. It means you need to go and be by yourself. That's called solitude. I know that's hard for you extroverts. Us introverts love it. You need to get still on the inside and the outside. Be still, my soul. And then you need to invite the Holy Spirit to grab hold of your heart and let you know he's there. When you're in corporate worship celebrating God's goodness, when you're at church hearing someone give you a teaching or sharing something, that does not help you to reconnect. You think it will, but it doesn't. What it does is when you are connected, it will encourage that connection. <coughs> but when the connection isn't there, it doesn't help. Okay, I think there's a third thing I learned. Finding him, reclaiming your relationship with him is your responsibility. Mary and Joseph took it upon themselves. They realized it was their responsibility, and they went searching for him in great distress, they said. So you can't blame God for your lack of relational connectedness. We had a saying when I first got saved 42 years ago, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? And you can't blame others for your lack of connectedness if you've misplaced or replaced Jesus. They're not responsible for your personal relationship with God. And you can't blame the church. Finding him and reconnecting is something that is intimate and personal and only you can do it. <coughs> Let me add a small side note to that. Often, we want Jesus to be where we are at. Where really we need to be where he is at. We want Jesus to be in the crowd at the camp. Where Jesus wants us to be where he was at, which was sitting at the feet of the leaders of the religious Jewish nation, asking and answering questions. We want Jesus to come to us. He's already done that. We need to go to him. Okay, I think there's a fourth thing we can learn. As Christians, we are responsible for maintaining and developing our individual relationship with Jesus. We need not to assume that it is okay with Jesus or it will be okay with Jesus. We need to know it's okay with Jesus. So in Luke 2.42 it says, But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. Don't assume. Samson made the assumption it cost him his life in Judges 16. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke up from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times, shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Can you go back to four? Thank you. So don't assume that your relationship is good. Make sure your relationship is good. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. This is the one that really hit home to me. 
because I do a lot of assuming. I work for God. I make my living doing this. I'm constantly reading him about him. I'm constantly doing things for him. That has nothing to do with my relationship. Okay. So that's why Paul wrote, and something we need to do from time to time, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. It is just so simple and easy to get caught up in religion. It is so easy for the tools that God has given to us to become rules. Got to read my Bible, got to pray, got to pray in tongues, got to worship, got to fast, got to tithe. Got... You don't got to anything. They're tools for your relationship with Jesus to improve. When they become rules, then you have legalism and that's a religion. And it's easy to neglect the tools and simply live life and that will lead you to license. And we talked about that last week. I think there's one more thing we need to learn. We need to come to the point in life where we recognize without Jesus, nothing else matters. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. We need to rediscover how important he is in our life. To do that, you might have to rediscover who he really is. Seeing him in his fullness, seeing him in a new light, seeing past the Jesus you've created, seeing past the Jesus of your childhood or of your religion. And then we need to come to the point where nothing else matters. I love Ed and Sheila because they've reached the point where nothing else matters anymore. They're liquidating their farm. They're selling their animals. They're getting free of the clutter in their lives so that they can serve God in whatever way he might say to serve him. And they have no idea what that's going to look like. And they don't care because they're on a journey to find the real Jesus they lost in the midst of 40 years of religion. And we need to reach that same place where we know that without Jesus, everything we've accomplished doesn't matter. It really doesn't anyways, even with Jesus. <laughs> and we need to take personal responsibility for our relationship with him. Stop blaming other people for the lack of relationships. Stop blaming other things. Stop blaming your past. We just need to be able to say, Jesus, I really need you. And I think... That's the song.
Where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Have you replaced him with something else? Have you misplaced him? Have you figured out you lost him? Yeah. Ed and Anne, they're needing to remove all the religious and, and traditional junk out of their lives. Um, and that has not been an easy journey for them, and they're not there yet. Joseph and Mary needed to go and find Jesus because they literally lost him. In my life, I'm re-engaging my heart in my walk with God because I spend so much time in crisis mode in churches and situations and shoveling doo-doo <laughs> that sometimes it's all up in your head and your heart gets buried amongst all the hurt that you see happening in people's lives and situations. and um, So because I've been slowing down and taking more time, and traveling a little less up till now, um, I've had some time to re-engage my heart in all of this and not just my head. You can lose Jesus in your heart and keep him in your head, you know, or vice versa. So where are you in all of this? Because he's missing. He's missing in most churches. He's missing in some of our lives. <coughs> and you don't all need to talk at once. 